Hello, photography lovers. It's me, the photographer Virginia Antima, and today should be Wednesday since I'm with a guest. You're listening to the Fashion Photography Podcast, and I'm here with a lovely lady. You can learn a lot from her about shooting care photography. Things like how to tease and please your clients, what to do in order to make viral images, and also why fixing things on set is better for you. Let's welcome our today's guest. My name is Darina Barikina. At this time, well, at this point, I'm 27. And I kind of separate my work into before and after. Before and after the move to the United States, I moved five years ago. So not so long. I'm a portraiture photographer to start with, but lately I'm doing strictly beauty and my main emphasis is the hair photography, which I mean, I'm also doing fashion, but I feel like my fashion lies within uh, the beauty industry. So this is my main interest right this moment. Do you have any kind of photography background? I do. I graduated the Kyiv School of Photography because originally I'm coming from Ukraine. I lived in Kyiv. I was born there. Yeah, basically I graduated from the photography school. But my higher education, well, I have a business background. I have bachelor's in finance and my master's is in business administration. So that's a little weird. But I feel like <laughs> being a child, you don't really have a choice <laughs> sometimes. So I had to do what my parents wanted, but also I did what I liked at the same time. Well, it's not really that weird for me because it means that you're very good at pricing, I suppose. Um, I'm trying. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> What was your biggest struggle when you went to the United States? Everything was new. I did not know anything. And, you know, it may seem weird, but even going to a grocery store was a totally different experience. Everywhere you go was so unusual. And, of course, language barrier, it played its role, absolutely. But I think it was just... It was just different and getting used to the new environment was a tough thing. But also understanding the photography field and finding my place, you know, figuring out what would I like to do with the photography. That was also another challenge because everything works different here. And where I would see the opportunities, for example, in Ukraine, they wouldn't be so obvious or wouldn't exist here in the United States. It was just a different environment and figuring out how things work was probably the biggest challenge in the very beginning for both just Just a simple life, everyday life, as well as a professional life. What was the different thing about the photography field in the U.S.? Can you give us an example? Absolutely. Well, first of all, there is so much more opportunity. That's for sure. And there were opportunities that I didn't even think of their existence. I didn't know certain opportunities existed. And, you know, as social media has been so much in use and it's so popular, it opens another range of opportunities and you can reach out to people that are in a distance or they're decision makers and they would get back to you and actually respond. Well, some time ago, you would have to write an email or maybe like, given a physical letter or something like that. Is there a specific example you want to give? Hair photography is a very great example because uh, I don't think I could be making a living doing hair photography in Ukraine. I don't think there is a way, honestly. Like even thinking of Russia, where, you know, country is much, much bigger and the industry should be much more developed, it still wouldn't be the case because I know photographers in Russia that do hair photography, but they have to do another types of photography in order to support themselves. So I think just realizing that there are super narrow niches, the photographic world that I could utilize myself in and feel comfortable within, I think that was a main discovery, probably the main difference. Tell us about your first client. Oh, that's an interesting story. <laughs> I uh, was doing 
just portraiture. I was photographing girls that I thought were beautiful, mostly friends, of course, because I just moved. I didn't know anybody. I was just practicing. I got to know a couple of makeup artists locally where I'm at right now. I live in Jacksonville, Florida. You know, we were talking, we collaborated, had a great time. And then I got somebody contacting me about photographing hair extensions. And that was very weird because I've never done that before. Like, I don't know how hair works, but like, this is a totally different environment. Like, especially retouching wise, because I do my own retouching, I felt like, oh my God, I need another huge set of skills that I did not necessarily possess at the time. So I was like already looking at YouTube tutorials. When I met my client, it was a distributor of hair extensions here locally. He told me that, oh, you know, I looked at your work and I realized that you can photograph hair. But, you know, I never paid attention to hair in my shots. Of course, I wanted it to be neat because it's on the girl's head, (laughs) but I never paid attention to hair as a separate subject and it was weird to me that somebody noticed it. I really, really wanted this job just because it was first serious commercial assignment. We discussed a lot and I had to practice a lot beforehand. But also I found out that I was uh, probably replacing another local photographer, which made me super nervous as I knew I'll be compared to someone. I mean, I really tried to be in my best behavior and professional skill set and uh, all of that in order to get the job done. But I feel like even the first time we worked together, I set the bar pretty high because just love to be inventive and we came up with a couple solutions that they really needed. Maybe other photographers didn't pay attention to like hair in motion, which actually became my thing. And it's still a thing for me right now. Until this day, I still use hair in motion and I came up with like many more solutions. At the time, it was kind of a novelty. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. You mentioned how the hair works. So is there something very important that the new photographers that are coming to this profession you think that they must know? Absolutely, though I feel like you can't really be informed about it. You have to practice it and understand it through practice because hair of different lengths moves differently. Also, a color matters, texture matters. And based on these qualities, you pick specific lighting. Also, when you work with a stylist or a cutter or a colorist, people produce different type of work and the task based on their the type of their work is different as well. So, for example, if I'm photographing a cut and it's a precision cut. There should be sharp lines and I should pay attention to the lines and maybe guide the model in her posing a certain way so that her face works good with the lines of the haircut as well as the lighting emphasizes the features of the style. There's a lot to it and I feel like you can only gain it through practice, though the most important thing is probably ask questions. Normally when I work with a new client, I ask what is your inspiration? What is the most important part in this hairstyle? Like, what would you like me to capture, to express? Like, what is this you're trying to say through the hairstyle? So basically working with the creative background of the specific work is very important. Do you think that the mid-level of retouchers covers the needs of the nowadays hair photographers? I think retouching is changing. Like, you know, there's fashion in everything and photography, of course, too, but also there is a fashion in retouching. I think now we kind of downshift a lot. We try to minimize retouching. We try to make it as unnoticeable as possible. We keep some flaws in there just to emphasize naturality of the face or the hair or the human being, your subject. I feel like you don't have to be very skillful and heavy in retouching as long 
long as you're a good photographer, because at the end of the day, lighting is your instrument, most of all, right? So if you're good with lighting, if you can pick up little imperfections that you would like to cover, if you're able to mask those uh, or hide those with the lighting, you don't have to do much retouching. I'm very strict with the stylist and even my clients, because I know that if we don't minimize number of so-called errors, like, you know, flyaways or pieces that don't belong to certain areas, if we don't minimize this on set, it means extra time for me when I get to the retouching stage. It's unnecessary. Also, nothing looks better than a natural look. But what I'm trying to say is that nothing digital will look just as good as natural. So if you have this opportunity to fix something on set, do it on set. Don't rely on post-production. And I have clients that want me to totally redo the image and I don't necessarily like it. Though, you know, sometimes it's an extra challenge and I'm just willing to try it to see if I can do it. (laughs) I'm a perfectionist, so I'm trying to make it work, but I would never recommend this. I think it's not worth it. And also, what's the point for a third-party artist to redo your work as a stylist or colorist? You know, it's not your work anymore. Everything you can do on set, do it on set. But if there's something that has to be touched up or polished, then yes, of course, every touching comes in place. But I don't think heavy retouching is the case here. Not in my work, at least. I'm trying to minimize it as much as I can. Well, right now, the thing that excites you most is hair emotion. Do you separate these two or you definitely need them together? If you're doing a photo shoot that it's not just about the hair. Do you think that it's very important to know also some stuff about the motion? It's a good question. Thank you. I think the biggest challenge in the hair photography is that you have other elements around, like wardrobe. The wider the crop is, if I'm doing waist and up, knees and up, there's more elements included. And if the shoot is about the hair, you may lose the focus. You may lose the hero of the shot. If I'm shooting hair and we have to shoot wide, I would do something minimal on the wardrobe or simple colors. I think I correct these things or I emphasize or create contrast with color mostly. Color and texture. I would do anything that would juxtapose the hair. But if we're shooting fashion and there's hair involved and kind of plays a big role, I would still want to make it look interesting because I feel like hair is the biggest natural accessory for women. We just have it there, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think it's important to dedicate some attention to that as well. But if we're talking about motion, I think I rarely shoot hair without motion nowadays just because I'm known for it. And every client that comes to me wants that look. So I just end up shooting a lot of that. But you know, if that's a pixie haircut, then there's not really motion going on. (laughs) But if we're doing hair in motion and there is wardrobe involved, I would like wardrobe to either juxtapose the hair so be like very still and have very straight lines if my hair is long and for example curly and it's like all flying up in the air or it should support the hair so it also has to be flowy it should be an action shot in either juxtaposition or that's a supportive element can you share with us what's the daily routine when you have a photo shoot The day off the shoot is quite simple, but I think the most complicated part of it is probably like a month before the shoot because we have to collaborate on the concept. And when we finalize it, it's just a lot of going back and forth between myself and the client. And I feel like 
I'm coming from somewhat experience I have in photography and I know that certain approaches will work, certain won't, but sometimes clients really, really want this one thing to be done and I know it's not going to work. And I'm trying to convince that sometimes it doesn't work out. So basically I have to show them so they can see for themselves that it's not working before we can move on with whatever I came up with. So I think coming up with the concept is a very interesting process because brainstorm, like all thoughts just come together. We do mood board for everything. Makeup has a separate mood board, then a hairstyle and a studio or a location setup. And, you know, everything has a separate scheme, basically. So then when we get to the point of shooting, we have everything ready. We normally have a shot list. So if that's a hairstyle, I know that I should photograph certain angles just because there is a specific task for this hairstyle. But also we leave a lot of time for improvisation because normally when you don't try too hard, you probably get the best result. So I always give myself a space for just some kind of a creative expression. I don't know. We just go crazy. My model can just shake her head and or jump or, you know, do some weird things. But at the end, uh, one of those shots actually makes the cut. The day of the shoot is probably like very methodical. We just go by schedule. We should have a schedule beforehand. There is a call time. We all gather. We look at the mood boards again. Everyone sets up. Makeup artists set up in their area, hairdressers in their own area. And then I go from like station to station, making sure my model, uh, as she gets ready, she looks according to the concept. Because sometimes each artist tries to put their best in and they end up overdoing what they're doing. And when two things that are over the top join together, like you have some avant-garde hair and then some crazy avant-garde makeup, very often looks tasteless. So I'm willing to take on this responsibility and control its <laughs> portion of the process to make sure it all goes as planned. I can't really blame them. They just want to do their best. It's, it's understandable. But, you know, when it comes together, it just doesn't work. So I'm just a mediator trying to be a nice cop and say, you know, can we just tone this down a little bit like, <laughs> maybe this will be the title being the nice cup <laughs> true you know this is so important though i'll get back to the day of the shoot later i just want to make a little comment on this i hear very often that photographers are very strict the majority of my clients are individuals hairdressers it's just two of you working on a concept and one of you creates a hairstyle and then another captures it in a certain way that in the way that you guys agree i heard that many photographers are very strict they don't let hairdressers step in the set when photo shoot is uh it's on go Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which I don't understand because, you know, if you see that there is something can be fixed, yes, absolutely. Go on, fix it for me because I don't have to work on this later. I appreciate this. I've been complimented a lot on, you know, like an easygoing vibe, I think. But that's how I like it to be. You know, we all supposed to have fun. So I'm trying to be a good cop all the time. I definitely understand you. Yes, yesterday I lost half a day to retouch a hair just because the hairstylist well it wasn't really the case because she was talking by the phone and she wasn't there <laughs> but I definitely understand what you mean that you prefer someone to just make something for a second to help it in order not to spend hours retouching this 
Exactly. But also, sometimes stylists want to do the style and then leave. And I think this is one of the most important artists that actually should stay. Because, okay, if we have makeup on, it's kind of unlikely to change dramatically. If you have some powder in order to prevent model's face from <laughs> glowing, and you're fine. But hairstyle is something that moves if you include a fan. Or if there is an action shot and model has to perform some kind of action, even walking, it changes the style. And at the end of the shoot, you're style is totally different from what it was in the beginning. So I think that the hairdresser, hairstylist, is the one of the artists that must stay and you know supervise the style from the beginning to end. Especially if there is mandatory heavy retouching and hair involved, just because you end up doing work that you're not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then it's not even the stylist's work anymore. You know, like, whose work is this? Basically, retoucher fixes problems. You're supposed to emphasize things, not fix somebody's mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's like one of the points. I mean, I've had stylists leave my set and then I just take over. Then I feel like, okay, if you're not here, I'll do it and I'll do it my way. But then you can't blame me because I really tried to do my best in order to make it work. Yeah, definitely. That's not your job. You don't have to be the best at this. Yeah, but talking about the day of the shoot, uh, you know, when makeup's hair and hair is done, normally I shoot multiple models in the beltway manner. So we have at least two girls ready almost at the same time. I mean, mostly I shoot women. I shoot men too but it just happens so that there's more hair on women's heads. <laughs> <laughs> In some cases. That is correct, by the way. <laughs> We have dedicated time slots for each model. So each model comes into the light, performs, and then the next model comes in. Normally, we do feathered capture. We see what comes out to make sure we're on the right track. When we shot couple models together, we want to put pictures next to each other because whether they're going to look as a hairstyling collection or maybe that's an editorial, they should go well together. Since we still have time to reshoot, just in case we have to, we would make sure everything falls in place. And if it's not, we would have to go back maybe like at the end and do a couple extra shots to make sure we got it. Mm -hmm. On my shoots, everyone has fun. I mean, I'm trying to make it very easy and simple. And I work with the same team most of the time. So we know each other so well. Like we read each other's mind. We know each other's taste. If I work with a wardrobe stylist, I don't even have to tell her what to bring. I just tell her I want these colors and these textures and maybe like throw up an inspiration image. I totally trust her with her judgment as far as wardrobe selection. Like she knows what I like and I know her aesthetics and we match right there. So that's the perfect combination. And same applies to other our creatives on set and assistants. We just know what we're doing pretty much. So when we come to the studio, we just want all of this to be about fun and having good time and doing some selfies behind the scenes <laughs> and, you know, dancing. Like sometimes we do that too. I'm trying to make the day of the shoot very relaxing. Sometimes my clients come from other states to supervise the shoot and I really appreciate it because it takes off a lot of pressure. I don't have to be responsible solely for what's going on because there's somebody to supervise my activity and if there's something wrong, they can always fix it or tell me to fix it. But if there's no client on set, I tend to send previews and, and see what's the feedback like if I'm on the right track. But I would prefer to have somebody at my shoot because they get to see how everything is being done and very often we build sets from scratch 
I just want them to see how much effort goes into it and that everything is done by hand and that my team and I, we try to provide them with the best. We put the best of our creativity together in order to produce this product for them. Recently, I did an advertising campaign and I'm so thankful for the client because they said, you know, tell us what your ideas are, but technically we just want you to do what you think would be best. We have this product. They had mm -hmm. certain hair extensions, some braids, some straight curly hair. So they said, we don't care what you do but it has to be different from everything else you've done so far and it has to be your best shoot <laughs> so there was some pressure there but you know we know each other so like it didn't sound as harsh but I was like okay now it's on pressure is on <laughs> it was great though because I came up with a concept till the very end I wasn't sure I can actually do it like I was so nervous but we made it happen we flew the model for LA I got to make those decisions I got to choose my model I got to choose my crew I got to select everything. It was solely my vision and it came together nicely. The client was happy with it and I could see them behind my back, taken behind the scenes and sending them to the office and people in the office were like, yeah, okay, this looks so good. <laughs> that was so rewarding and I'm trying to listen to the client and give them what they want but also what they need because sometimes they don't really understand what they actually need. It's like a nice balance between the two but mostly we become friends after this and you know, same clients, they come back to me for, for more projects and shoots. We have a great time on set. I encourage all my clients to come and see and get to know myself and the team better. I think that's important for maybe a future work, just to see what kind of people we are. I think for clients, it's also relaxing. It's a totally different type of activity. They get outside of their yeah. office and they get to see something exciting. And we create miracle live. It's so interesting. I mean, I love my job. It looks like I do. <laughs> do you think you can get lost in the comfort of the routine to work with the same team? No. Because I challenge everybody all the time. And I challenge myself, first of Don't all. Don't you get tired from this? Being a challenge from everyone. <laughs> You know, I feel like without a challenge, we wouldn't progress. I don't want to do same things over and over again, despite I end up doing a lot. But I'm trying to push the creative ideas. And if we don't get commercial jobs that are creative enough, we just do our collaborative works. Normally, this is how it works. You produce personal projects that's relevant to the industry you work. And then you get more jobs based off of that. Like there's clientele that looks for that style, not necessarily just a very clean, plain background because normally I shoot on a clean plain background something that designers can work with later on maybe replace the background maybe put graphics on I understand that I'm not the only creative person involved and there is many more people that will be working with the files after I'm done with them so there are certain limitations but I'm trying to shoot creative things on my own just to show to current clientele and my future potential clients that there is another type of work that I can produce not just that I'm capable of more and I can shoot your product within a different environment and it will still look good. You wouldn't lose a sense of importance of your product. Okay, I'll let you shoot my product. <laughs> you totally I convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a constant process. You just have to push forward and further and pull and push everybody who's around you if you want to produce something different, something new. And sometimes I get to work with people who are very driven. They motivate me. They send me inspiration pictures they say let's shoot let's shoot but very often it's myself who plays that role either or and I think in a team there should be a person like that because otherwise you just get stuck I'm very happy that you said that there are some people around you that brings you inspiration because I totally get worried about you you know 
Where are you getting this inspiration from? <laughs> it's a good question. Actually, you know, I think it's important for me to stay inspired just because very often I am a producer and director of the shoot. So I have to have these creative concepts in my head. But yes, there are team members that are also very driven and that inspire me. But, you know, I have my own vision when it comes to how I want to work with the specific product. So sometimes we just don't really match on the ideas. So I still have to have my own thing going. I think inspiration is a very tricky thing. If you don't look for it, you don't find it. You have to look for it in everything. If I can say so, I'm trying to train myself to find inspiration in simple, everyday things, even looking outside of the window, look at the colors, look at the textures and try to see how what you see you could implement within your photography niche pine tree with its browns and greens and straight lines, but also fuzziness can be implemented. You can totally reflect things around you in your photography work. And I'm trying to make this happen. And you know, very often I do self-portraiture. Uh, it's like a separate topic. But one of the reasons why I do this on a regular is because I'm always available and I can <laughs> photograph myself anytime. <laughs> but I'm trying to embody a new character and I'm letting colorists dye my hair different colors just because I want to see how this color feels. What kind of character can I embody when I wear this blue hair or green or multiple colored hair? Also, I can do some creative makeup on myself and see how can I portray this. And I think a lot of my inspiration comes from personal experiences. I push myself. I'm trying to experience and test things on myself before I can demand this from a model, for example, just trying to be very reasonable there. I think it comes from everywhere around you, but you have to look for it to find it. In order to be inspired, I think you have to think of everything that surrounds you a creative way. Like you look at the cup, but you don't see a cup. You see a shape and then you see lines and then you see colors and then it has catch lights. There's so many different qualities you can take from one regular piece that you see every day and you can translate it into your photography work. This is how the most beautiful and the most interesting things come out just because everyone understands that your inspiration is coming from simple things but not everyone can get inspired by that you know, not everybody sees that though I feel like everyone can develop this quality of looking for inspiration that's totally a skill you're not born with this I wasn't born with it I had to make myself do it over and over again Sometimes I sound a little crazy, you know, like I'm hearing myself <laughs> talking and this looks, this sounds a little extreme, but I have to keep myself in this state in order to produce more work. Yeah, it's normal, I think. Well, okay, in order to sound not that crazy, if you're worried about that, though I'm not, do you look for inspiration in some websites that you'd like to share? There's one specific website that I like, not so much for inspiration as far as imagery, but color combinations. I really like color, and my favorite thing to do is using a rule of complementary colors in my work. I'm paying a lot of attention to that. There's a website that's called Design Seeds, and it's all about pictures, taken can be a sunset or it can be a flower and there is also a breakdown of color palette i find it very useful because you can translate something that's in the nature for example translate it into color palette and then later on in your work how you combine the colors how you extract them from the picture it's just very interesting this lady has an instagram account and she puts up three pictures a day and i always check them out and i think that's very important for colorists i recommend the site for all of them because because if you're looking
looking for inspiration and then you have to come up with the colors to use on the hair as the canvas, that's a very simple way to go because there's inspiration picture next to the color palette. Very simple. <laughs> it's right there. Someone's already doing this for you. <laughs> I really enjoy that. But other than that, I just look through all current magazines. Of course, I want to see what's up in the world. And I really like photographer Stephen Meisel because of his color choices and because of the message. I really enjoy that he's one of the fashion photographers that conveys a message within his work which I think is rare, especially up-and-coming fashion photographers don't pay attention to this, but I find it crucial. Very rewarding, you know, as uh, just a viewer, you know, person from the audience, when I look at this and I can recognize the message, like I'm taking a part in this, I can understand what this is about. It's not just about the garments, it's about social issues, it's about problems with uh, nature or anything, you know. It's, I can understand what the artist is trying to say beyond just a display of the garments. I find this very important. What were you trying to say with the photo shoot you did for the 4th of July? Tell me a little bit about this photo shoot because I find it very inspirational. Thank you. thought about this for a long time, actually. I knew I would have to come up with something for the 1st of July for multiple reasons. Actually, my reasons were quite pragmatic. I wanted to create an image that people would like and would want to share and just to gather more followers. I know it sounds cheesy, but you know, that's the reality of today. Yeah, <laughs> so. totally. So it doesn't sound cheesy to me. It's a strategy. Yeah, that was a strategic move. I tried to create a viral image. It was successful, so probably I made certain decisions that were right. As far as the particular implementation, I looked up so many makeup artists that did 4th of July inspired makeup. And I just see that normally it's a literal implementation of the flag or maybe the fireworks, like something very literal. And I don't like that. I like when there's a little mystery, when it's slightly vague. The viewer can actually decide for themselves what that is. So I decided to embody the flag. I wanted to become a flag. This is where inspiration was coming from. I aimed at the specific shot, which I didn't post, just because when I looked at it later on my computer, it had too much contrast. I wanted two of my hands involved. And basically, that was supposed to form a flag because I had stars on the side of my face. Two hands were supposed to represent the stripe it was too much going on i just didn't feel like it was the best picture i think it's very important here to mention that you're the makeup artist the photographer and the model of the photo shoot very often i am which is slightly crazy and i think many people just get lost in terms of what is that i'm doing like am i modeling because my instagram is mostly my images but that's again it has multiple reasons so first of all i have to generate content on the regular and uh, i don't like just simple selfies i like something creative something that my audience can appreciate and i'm trying to challenge myself and do things that my audience wouldn't do just because they could see that somebody is doing this so if i can then you also can i just dip myself in glitter sometimes and i know not many people would dare to do that but they would want to see how it looks so i give them that as a photographer i just want the 360 degrees experience i just want in front and behind the camera and being an artist on multiple levels i think it's just important for me to understand all the processes so then when i get to photograph something particular i can manage and control all the aspects better. What are the top 
top three things here my editor is going to laugh, I know, because he loves my top three questions. <laughs> What are the top three things a young hair photographer must own in order to become a good one? I always say that photography is not happening in the camera or in the light. It happens in your head because you see it before you capture it. It's just a matter of matching the two, what you physically have in front of you and what you have in your mind. So one of the things would be creative mind. Second things would be flexibility. And by flexibility, I mean that very often creative concepts don't work out if they're not properly planned. But I had this experience when Aman said, and I see that it's just not working out. I have two choices, whether I just continue and I'm not happy with the result, but I execute the idea or we just give up on the idea, come up with something fresh, really fast and try to get the best out of it. So I think flexibility means a lot just because sometimes when you're stuck with one idea, it may limit your creative opportunities. There may be more things within your environment or even your model that they can give to you if only you're not so set on a specific goal. So I think flexibility is very important. The third thing, communication. Communication is the key, but that's probably for any industry. Though I think in photography, everything is so subjective and everything is on the level of the idea. You can say carrot and two people will imagine a different carrot. Somebody's carrot will be <laughs> short, somebody's long. For one person, it'll be a peeled carrot, for someone not. So you can say a thing, you can express it very but each of you imagines it differently. So I think communication is important in order to vocalize your ideas so that everybody stays on the same page and understands where you're going correctly. I think if you start with these three and then you just have a camera in your hands and you just have a daylight, you're fine. You can start doing hair photography. <laughs> I think it's a nice start. <laughs> Most of it is social skills. Wanted or not, that's very important because I think your creative idea your photography happens on the preparation stage. I'm a big advocate for preparation. I like to know exactly which pieces I'm using if I can. But sometimes though, talking about flexibility, I like not knowing because it helps me stop being set on the specific things. When it's the day of the shoot, I come and I see what job that I've never seen before. Like, of course, it lies within the guidelines, but it's specific pieces that I haven't seen beforehand. I think it makes me brainstorm better. I can see wider range of opportunities. So very often when I sit in my colorist chair, I have no idea what kind of color I'm walking out with. And I tell her, you know, do whatever you want. But I do this consciously because I know once the color's done, I wouldn't have another choice other than just getting used to it and make it work. So I think just this whole mindset of make it work is very useful. You just convert every possible failure into a different form of success. Like you have to look for solutions. Don't give up. Flexibility, I think this is very handy when it comes to that, to be able to go through as many solutions as you can until you find the proper one. So those basic things would be probably... It was one of the easiest interviews I've ever done. <laughs> I can stand really? here and listen to you whole week. <laughs> You're great. Yeah. Thank you very much for this. Thank you. I was nervous in the beginning, but I feel like till the end, you seem so well. I mean, I had so much fun. Thank you for asking all the Me questions. Too. Great questions, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> I had so much fun. It's such a pleasure. This is so new to me. I really appreciate your reaching out. And uh, I hope I contributed, guys, to the podcast. 
I think she really did. And if you think so too, don't forget to share the podcast and leave us an honest review on iTunes. It was one of those conversations that after you finish them, you just feel so full of energy and ideas. I loved it. Don't forget to check out my guest work and also my work on the show notes. And please, God, please follow this awesome photographer on Instagram. She totally deserves it.